Teens Lead Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Singleton. And as a child of the 80s, I'd love to say queens rule, but they don't. Queens lead. Being a queen means you are worthy to be a leader of people. The guests on our show do exactly that. They are leading the way in their businesses, families, and communities. They're taking their rightful place in the spotlight, leading and inspiring the developing queens in all of us. Welcome to the Queens Lead Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Queen's Lead Podcast. Today, I am joined by a co-Amy, Amy Thurman. <laughs> she is also here in Oklahoma. We recently met at a networking event, and her story was so inspirational. I had to bring her on the show and introduce you all to another wonderful Amy. So welcome, Amy. Thank you so much, Amy. I'm so glad to be here. This is so fun. I'm looking forward to it so much. We're excited to have you. So tell everybody who you are. And um, if you don't mind, just dig into your story and tell us, tell us all about it. Okay. I'm Amy Thurman. I live with a broken neck. That's pretty much my tagline. I live with a broken <laughs> neck. Uh, 10 years ago, I was uh, moved to Norman to work at OU and was working there about a year when I all of a sudden passed out, landed on my face on the hardwood floor. The impact sheared my brainstem caused a traumatic brain injury, and it actually broke my neck, but that went undetected for six months. Wow. And it was nine months before I could have surgery to repair it. So there was just so much damage done in those nine months that I continue to live with a broken neck. And wow. that means that I can only hold my head up for a few hours at a time, have to rest a lot, I have to rest my neck. It came with a whole slew of other issues, um, chronic, chronic illnesses, that it took my doctor six years to figure out it's been oh quite gosh. a journey so it was nine years ago when I passed out the accident happened nine years ago and that first year I had to lay flat in a bed for 23 hours of every day I couldn't wow. literally I was working at OU one day the very next day I couldn't walk I couldn't talk I couldn't hear or see correctly and literally I could not even take myself to the restroom it was such a horribly deep, dark place that I would never, ever wish on anyone. And I felt like such a burden to my family. I, I did not want to live. I mean, yeah. I prayed and prayed that I would die because I was not living, living. I was simply yeah. existing. And I felt yeah. like my family would be better off without the burden that I was. And I knew I was on so many medications. I knew I had enough medication to make it happen. And I, yeah. I honestly considered it. Yeah. And then I had this moment of clarity where I remember thinking, what if I don't just resign myself to lay here and die? I'm sorry. It's emotional for me. No, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm... I was, I thought, what if I don't just resign myself to lay here and die? What if I actually try to get better? And if yeah. I do get better, maybe I will be able to help someone else as a former educator and social worker, that was motivation for me. So in that moment, I decided to fight to live with the, with the intention of using my story to help other people. And that's what I'm determined to do. Mm, I love that. That that's so that resonates completely with me. As you know, I have a very similar story of wanting to die and then choosing not to. Yes. Uh, what do you feel like it was that, that brought you to that moment of clarity? Do you, do you credit God for that? Do you, what do you credit that moment of clarity to? I tell you what happened was I was so deep and dark. I 
in, in my mind, in my heart, in my soul, I knew that if I was ever going to get better, something had to change. I could not continue along all the negatives that were happening in my head because mm -hmm. I couldn't do anything. I went from doing everything for myself to doing nothing. And so yeah. all I wanted was my life back to be able to do the things I could do before. And so yeah. in my, in my brain was so much negativity. I knew that had to change, but I realized not only did it have to change, but I had to replace it with something. Not only did I have to stop those negative thoughts, I had to replace it with something. And literally I could not do anything for myself. So I had to have someone turn on a podcast, find a, an audio book. And so mm -hmm. I found Dr. Wayne Dyer, Tony Robbins, all of those amazing luminaries. And I just poured, poured, poured that into me, into myself, mm -hmm. constantly listening to uplifting messages. And yeah. it, it like allowed my soul to soar at that yeah. moment. So I, at that time, that's when I came across this quote or poem by Rumi. It's that my business is named after my business is called polish the mirror. And it's named after this quote by Rumi that goes like this. Ye who seek God apart that which you seek thou art. If you wish to seek the beloved's face, polish the mirror and gaze into that space that spoke to me on a deep level. And it told me that all the answers I seek, all the answers I'm looking for can be found within. I just yeah. have to polish the mirror, look deep within, and my soul will lead me and guide me in the right direction. And that's exactly that's right. what happened. Mm, girl, bring it on. <laughs> look at yourself. We are Not so trying to much preach. more powerful. <laughs> preach, bring it on. I mean, we are so much more powerful than we give ourselves credit for. We're so much more powerful. We have to look in, look inward. We're all seeking something outward to fix us, right? Exactly. I like to you say I found the power. Yes. I like to say I found my own hero within. She's in yeah. there. I just had to find her. That's right. That's right. I love that you dug into those, um, you know, listening to the stories of others and learning how to tell your own so that you could, you know, face the facts, figure out, you know, sort it all out because it's so easy to get mogged down, bogged down in just the depression of it all and, and be paralyzed physically and mentally, um, which you have experienced. Yes. Firsthand, <laughs> unfortunately. First hand. Yeah. So how long were you, um, how long were you in recovery, you know, basically in recovery from the initial accident to where you could start doing some things for yourself again? It was nine months before I had surgery on my neck. So mm -hmm. for those first nine months, I literally was flat in a bed. My mm -hmm. daughter was a senior year, in, a senior in high school. Oh my, my son gosh. was a freshman in high school and my little guy, sorry, my little guy was four years old. Mm. I completely missed that entire year of their lives. I'm sorry. Do I need to say that again more clearly? No, you're okay. We real people over here. <laughs> so I missed that entire year of their lives that I can't get it back. Mm -hmm. Do you know how much kids those ages need their mama? Mm -hmm. and I couldn't be there for them. Yeah. Which is another reason that I considered using my medication. Mm -hmm. And I'm so thankful I didn't because yeah. I learned so much from that whole experience. Amy, I'm a completely different person now than I was then because, excuse me, 
because I have used it as a stepping stone instead mm -hmm. of a hindrance. That's right. Yeah. To, how long would you say it took you to kind of divorce the victimhood and step into the power that that experience gave you? It took a long time, years. It actually took them, my doctor six years to figure out that I have dysautonomia or POTS where mm -hmm. my blood pressure just drops out and I uh, pass out sometimes. Mm -hmm. That diagnosis helped me so much just knowing, okay, there's a reason, there's a name for this. Yeah. That helped a lot. Just bring validation to, it's not just me because for the first six years, I was passed around from specialist to specialist. I can't figure out what's wrong with you. Try this person. I can't figure out what's wrong with you. Try this person. They mm. thought I had Lyme disease. They thought I had MS. They thought I had um, lupus, all the things. Mm -hmm. And finally, six years later, I found a specialist who, who knew which tests to run and to yeah. figure out what I had. And so mm -hmm. it was um, one, just a little over a year ago, I decided I would like to try to do something for myself. You know, all this time I have been, everybody's taking care of me. Everybody's doing things for me. I'm working my way up, fighting myself, fighting my way back to living and decided I want to be more independent. I actually want to try to do something for myself. And so that's when I actually started my little business, Polish the Mirror. Mm -hmm. And it began with a anti-aging, long-lasting, budge-proof, cosmetics and skincare that are made in Sepulpa, Oklahoma. And I don't know if you can see, I'm rubbing my lip with my finger to show you that it's long lasting. It doesn't come off. And oh, that yeah. just that in itself has changed my life. After being with them for seven months, only seven months, they asked me to share my story from stage at the largest conference they have in front wow. of 2000 women. Oh my God, that's so scary. I know it is. It was so scary, oh. I'm sure. <laughs> I was terrified, but I knew that I had to say yes. Believe me, I thought about saying, heck no, I'm not doing that. Right. <laughs> but I determined in my heart that I was going to use my story to help other people. And I felt like, okay, this is it. I'm going to do this. So I put my story together. I shared it in front of 2000 women. And that one experience has been life-changing for me. I decided everyone has a story. Everyone has a story worth sharing. Everyone mm -hmm. needs to be able to share their story. And so I became a story development coach where I help other people share their stories because it has made such an impact on my life. Wow. That's awesome. So, so tell us more about that. What um, you've taken some training to help others develop their story, or are you just taking your own experience of what you did to get ready for this huge event? <laughs> I really just, it's, it's polishing the mirror and looking within part of what I shared from stage is that we have this voice inside our hearts that yells and screams at us and tells us, no, stop, don't do it. You're going to get hurt again. It's too risky. Don't. Mm -hmm. And I call that our no voice. It prevents us from doing things because it's trying to protect us. But we also have this voice in our hearts that whispers to us. It tells us, yes, you can do it. You've got it. Come on, let's do this. And it gives us these huge, huge, crazy ideas that we would never even consider because they're so far out of our comfort zone. We're terrified to do them. Mm -hmm. So what I have learned to do is to thank my no voice for its effort to protect me because that's what it's doing <laughs> while honing in on what my yes voice is telling me and following through on those crazy ideas. And that's where this is taking me. 
I have wow. developed what I call your story in stages. It is, I share a piece of my story, a stage of my story, and I combine it, combine it with an emotion. We only are familiar with about a handful of emotions. In general, when you ask someone, what are you feeling? They will mm -hmm. name one of five things generally, mm -hmm. because we don't know the names of emotions. We don't know how they feel in our bodies. We just are not educated about emotions. Yeah. So I have come up with 100 different emotions that I share through this, your story in stages, 100 days, 100 emotions to help people identify what's going on inside. What are you feeling? You may have experienced this, but you don't, you don't realize it because you didn't know that's what it was called. Mm -hmm. And so it's a series of not only help, helping people develop their story, but also becoming familiar with the emotions that are involved. Mm, that's awesome. I hear you saying um, over and over that being able to identify what it is we're dealing with, whether that be a diagnosis or an emotion is pretty important to moving forward. Absolutely. Understanding what's happening is the first step. Realization is the first step in anything. You have to acknowledge if there's a problem, you have to acknowledge it first. If there's yeah. an issue, you have to realize what it is first. So the first step is realization. Realize what's going on before you can ever make a change. Just mm -hmm. like I did in that bed for nine months, I had to realize, come to the realization that I am my own worst enemy right now. What's going on in my head is actually yeah. preventing me from doing anything, from getting better. And so that it was that realization, just, just the realization that helped me take the step along the path that I want to go, which is where I am now. Yeah. So how did you find, which came first, the makeup or the, um, I guess the makeup came before the speaking because the makeup gave you the speaking opportunity, right? How did you become aware of the company here in Oklahoma? When I turned 50, my face looked 50 and I was not okay with that. <laughs> I'm not okay with looking 50, Amy. You don't look 50. <laughs> oh, you definitely you. don't now for sure. <laughs> I sure did before. Let me tell you, I have pictures before and after, and it, it's fascinating what these products have done for my skin. But I have, because I have so many chronic illnesses, Mm -hmm. Our skin is our largest organ. I have yeah. to be so careful what I put in my body, but also what I put on my mm -hmm. body. So I had to have a, a company, uh, a brand that is clean, that doesn't have chemicals, that doesn't have all those yucky stuff that's going to make my body flare up. So mm -hmm. I did extensive research to find this company and it's Cinegents right here, two hours from where I live. It just yeah. blew my mind, but they have a clean label. They follow European standards. So there are not, there are hundreds of ingredients that they do not include in their products mm -hmm. that are harmful that, that they could being in America, but that they yeah. don't because they're choosing not to, they're choosing to make it a clean brand. Mm -hmm. And like I said, it's done wonders for my skin turn rolled back the clock. Absolutely. Well, we're all here for anything that does that. <laughs> Exactly. Right. Yeah. And so you started using the products and then became an ambassador and then decided, Hey, I think I want to be involved. Yes. I started using the products just because I didn't want to look 50 and people started noticing. I, I didn't wear makeup because I, you know, I'm laying in a bed. I only yeah. go to doctor's appointments. You know, that's yeah. it. I didn't need to wear makeup. 
And then I realized the cosmetics also have anti-aging properties in them. And so mm -hmm. I thought, you know what, if I wear the cosmetics during the day and the skincare during the night at night, I'm getting 24 seven round the clock anti-aging goodness. So slap, <laughs> slap on those cosmetics, give me That's some right. cosmetics, you know? That's so, awesome. <laughs> so I started so, wearing the cosmetics. Yeah. So tell me about when you were approached to speak. I shared my story. We, in the organization, when you go to events that they have, if you reach a certain level within the company, then you're invited to special events. And mm -hmm. this was at one of those special events that I earned my way into. We're mm -hmm. just sitting, having dinner. The corporate staff is there. The other earners are there. We're just visiting. And someone asked me about uh, a photo that I had posted on my Facebook page. I had just had my professional photos done mm -hmm. and I had posted them and someone asked me about it. And in the post said something about my broken neck. And so that started the conversation of, oh yeah, I live with a broken neck. And so they started asking me questions and the very next thing, the next morning, they said, pulled me aside and said, we would really love for you to share your story on stage. We feel like the world needs to hear this. And so I was just bought, literally, I was sobbing, just overwhelmed with, yeah. okay, I know I need to do this. It's terrifying. And the opportunity, all of that at once just was so overwhelming, but it, it was just such a wonderful opportunity. I knew I had to do it. And I'm so glad I did. Yeah. And what has that led to other, other speaking opportunities? I'm sure. Yes. I have been on several podcasts. I am going to be a speaker at the productivity powerhouse summit. Nice. It's, it's, it's online. It's virtual um, mm -hmm. podcast. I'm also going to be featured in a book. I don't know if you're familiar with the global resilience project. Oh, nice. Yes. There's a Netflix documentary coming out in the next uh, 30 to 90 days. That's about this book. Okay. And it will be the first, there's the first book. I will be featured in the second book that's coming in October. And wow. it's a book full of people's resilience stories. And they asked me to be a part of this book. And that's I amazing. said, absolutely. They're you said, yes. going, that's exactly. your yes voice. Yes. 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 That's scary. Yes. <laughs> this is crazy out of my comfort zone. Okay. I'm doing it. Let's do it. That's you it. know, the answer is always yes. You can always say no next time. Right. Exactly. I've gotten, I've gotten more opportunity from saying yes to things that I was terrified of, uh, than, than anything for sure. Absolutely. So to the listeners who are out there, uh, wondering, you know, does my story matter? Yeah, it does. And let me tell you which story it's going to be, because it's not the one you think you want to tell about how you've grown your business or, or all of your accolades. It's the scary one. It's the one you consider to be boring or the one that you consider to be overtold and in your past or whatever. But, uh, a, a, a speaker told me one time, she said, these are called your lean in stories. When you're in conversations with people and people go, what? Like, wait, what? You mentioned you broke your neck. Oh, your ex-husband was gay. Oh, you used to weigh 300 pounds. Oh, you did open heart surgeries. Oh, those are called lean in stories. And that's what people, that's what connects us with other people. And that's what gives you the opportunity, whether it be in business and life and in pleasure and whatever those stories and connection with other people is what brings us together. The vulnerability. Absolutely. Uh, it's, uh, 
uncomfortable to be vulnerable, but yeah. that's where the connection is made. Yeah. You, you can relate to people when they're being vulnerable because we have all, we have all hurt. We've all experienced right. pain. A lot yeah. of us have experienced trauma that we don't ever talk about or don't want other people to know, but yeah. that's the point we have to get to in sharing that with others. That's going to make a true difference, not only in other people's lives, but in your own life. That's where the power lies in that vulnerability, that vulnerable state and being willing to tap into that and being mm. willing to use it to help other people. That's it. We have to get over ourselves. I just heard uh, John Maxwell was a speaker at the event. We just came back from that. We hosted in Costa Rica and, and he's actually writing music to his books. So he's a big, if you don't know who John Maxwell is, he's a huge leadership development author. He's 76 years old. He still has daily habits. He keeps every single day. He's asking questions all the time, but one of the songs that Nashville has now turned in to from his leadership and development is an entire song about get over myself so that I can give myself to you. That's the whole premise of the song. It's like, I got to get over myself and share and be able to raise my hand and say, yeah, I laid flat on my back for nine months. I wanted to die. And then I didn't. And here's why you can live too. I mean, how much power is in that? How much bravery does it take to say that? But if it even gives one more person the permission to not take that handful of pills that you and I have held so many times, to me, that's worth it. Exactly. Exactly. I love that so much. There's so much power in that. Mm -hmm. So, so good. Get over yourself, bitch. <laughs> Tell your story, right. people. Come on. We want to hear it. Give us those lean in stories. We need to know that you've suffered too. We need to know that we're not alone, no matter what that is. You, you probably thought when you fell, like I'm the only person that's ever fallen face forward into a hardwood floor. Surely I'm all alone in this. I thought I was all alone when my husband came out as gay. I really did. I thought no woman's ever experienced this. How could they have? They'd be talking about it. We have to exactly. Talk it's, it's the ugly, the stuff we consider to be ugly. Yeah. That helps other people. Mm -hmm. Literally. We want to hide it. We want to push it down. We want it to go away. We want it to not be there. But what I have found is by embracing the ugly, by allowing it to boil up inside and come out little by little, mm -hmm. <laughs> I have let it come out too much at one time. And that's not healthy. You know what I'm talking about, Amy? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Let me vomit my whole story on you and exactly. see where you're at. Hmm. Yes, exactly. Doesn't always go over real well. Right. So allowing it to surface a little bit at a time, mm -hmm. sharing, if you're not comfortable sharing your entire story, that's why I do your story in stages because it's little mm -hmm. pieces of the story to help yes. you get, get to that point where you're ready to share your entire story and mm -hmm. help someone else and yourself at the same time. That's it. I'm glad you mentioned that because it's been, it's been a weird thing to navigate for me, especially like, not especially, but I have been especially aware of sometimes I have the need to like share the beginning to the end, right? Like the beginning I was born here and here's where I am. And all of these things that happened in between were all so important to me, but what each person needs at any different time of our life may not be that whole story. It may just be one tiny part of that and recognizing who and when to share those bits with has, is difficult to navigate. Has it been for you at times? Yes, it has. And I will say when, a lot of people when they hear, cause I will give them the thumbnail, <clears throat> excuse mm -hmm. me. 
I will give them the thumbnail version of my story and they start asking questions. Then I will ask them, do you really want to know? I mean, I, I just lay it out there. Do you really want to know? Do you want me to share my story? Are you just concerned about my well-being? And I'm just basically asking them, are you seriously wanting to know? Are you just kind of checking off a box to ask me how I'm doing that, that kind of stuff. And that has helped me a lot. Most people genuinely want to know of course when they hear the first part of my story they always want to to know more Mm -hmm. but just starting off that way has helped me a lot yeah someone put it to me the other day with um it, it, it when you're out in the public in the public eye there's a lot of people that feel like they know you and and then sometimes you feel like the need to share all of that you know privately with them and and she said to me amy not everyone gets into the basement you know, there are, there are certain, there are certain rooms that you let people into in your life and, and not everybody's ready for the basement level of your life. And I, that brought me some comfort to know that, you know, I don't have a ton of really close friends. I really don't. And it's, I've done so much extensive research and, and personal development, trying to seek and figure out why. And there's some, there's some really weird, like chakra kind of things that, that may indicate that, that, um, many times I've seen just as a resource, a resource for someone, like as a passer through, like I connect them to this resource and then they don't need me anymore. And that's a really, it's a hard place to be. So it brought me a lot of comfort to know that, that there are very few people that usually make it into the basement of our lives. I love that. That's so, so good. And it's Mm -hmm. so true. What I'm finding is people are very protective of their stories for multiple reasons. Most of the time it's because they're ashamed. They don't want people Mm -hmm. to know what they've experienced or how they responded to it, which Mm -hmm. is my thing. I'm not happy to say the way I responded to my issue, but I'm happy to share it because I know it's going to help other people. And so that's my purpose. One of my purposes is to help people understand you don't have to hoard your story. You don't have to hide it. You don't have to bury Mm -hmm. it down. Yeah. Letting it surface a little bit at the time at a time is actually very, very healthy, but mm-hmm. uh, being, excuse me, sharing it with people who have earned the right for you to share it with is a completely mm-hmm. different story. And that's what mm-hmm. I see a lot is you have to earn the right to hear someone's story. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then, then the right people get to hear it at the right time, you know, and, and it has more impact that way, I think. Um, exactly. What was I going to ask you? So I'm sure you're like me and the fact that you looking back, you go, yeah, I wouldn't change a theme because I am who I am now because of all of that. But looking back, um, you said you're not proud of the way you handled your injury and you're right in that time, right after what would you have done different with the knowledge you have now? What could you have done different? Or what would you say to that person who's laying flat in a bed? I was also, I was in a wheelchair for an extended period of time, could not walk, could not move, living with parents felt like such a burden, all of those things. So if you're out there listening and you are in a wheelchair, flat on your back, fresh off an injury, fresh off some awful trauma, what is it that you think maybe people could consider doing differently than what they're probably doing right now, the way you and I probably did what we did? My husband reminded me all the time, you did not choose this. This is not Mm. something that you did on purpose. This is not something you chose. It's something that happened to you. You Mm -hmm. cannot control this accident. It happened to you. And he convinced me to stop blaming myself because that's what I was doing. I was blaming Mm -hmm. myself. Had I gone to the doctor, 
had I done this, had I done that, had I not gotten up because I felt ill that night, had I not gotten up out of the bed, I wouldn't have passed out. Had I done Mm -hmm. this or that, I wouldn't have passed out. And so I had to completely change that mindset of this is not something that I chose to do. This is something that actually happened to me. And, and now I don't believe in saying this happened to me. I believe in saying this happened for me because life is happening for us, not to us. Mm -hmm. But at the time I didn't realize that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And how long was it before you came to the realization that like, okay, just because this happened to me, doesn't really mean that someone else doesn't mean that someone else is going to have to fix it for me. I have some responsibility here and that really sucks because when something happens to us, we want someone else to fix that thing, right? Like give me my refund, give me a credit, give me, give me something for what's happened to me. But when it's like that, it's on us to make some decisions and and take some action, right? That is so true. I remember Mm. blaming my doctors over and over and over again. You know, Mm -hmm. I, it was, took them six months to figure out my neck was broken. I can say that now because I love my care facility, my, my care team. I love them. They are such a blessing to me, but at first I blamed them and they, like I said, for six years, couldn't figure out what was wrong with me, why I couldn't, why I couldn't hold my head up for more than a few hours at a time. And I realized that, you know what, you have to advocate for yourself. You cannot wait for someone else to step in and do it for you. Mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. have to be the person. If you want to find the answers, you be the person who go, who seeks them out and finds those answers. And that's that's how I was able to find the specialist who determined that I have dysautonomia was advocating Mm -hmm. for myself. And when you're in that position of, you can't do anything for yourself, you're completely incapacitated. That's not somewhere your brain goes in. Mm -mm. I can advocate for myself. No, absolutely not. Your brain Mm -hmm. is, I can do nothing for myself. I'm so worthless what, what is happening to me? Yeah. And so just making that one mind shift in, I've got to advocate for myself made a huge change in my, in my care as well. Mm. No one is going to care for us. Like we care for us. Right. I hate to say it, but coming from a medical background, my husband has said it to me many times. He's like, I grew up thinking that my doctor knew all like if you have an MD or a DO or something behind your name, well, well, you know, and you're, you, everything you say is gospel and it should be taken. No, sometimes, but not always. Like we definitely have to be looking out for ourselves because they're so limited on their time and resources at this point. Like no one's thinking about us as much as we are. I promise you that doctor's not going home at night worrying about, Hmm, wonder what's wrong with Amy. Probably not. <laughs> exactly. Very few. Probably very not. few. Right. Especially during those discovery stages. Like I remember how long it took me to finally get that diagnosis that I could name something and go, oh, okay, that, you know, you can when you can point at something, it does make navigating that a little bit easier. I don't know how you found it, but at least since the years of my diagnosis, that diagnosis has become so much less important now than it ever was. But getting it right at first meant so much so that I could not feel crazy. Right. Exactly. It gives you a sense of validation that, okay, yeah. I'm not nuts. This is not all in my head because yeah. that's what they were wanting me to believe at first. Mm-hmm. I forget the name they gave it, but I absolutely did not accept that. And I kept yeah. searching and kept searching until I found someone who did know what was going on. Mm-hmm. So yet our doctors are just not trained in yeah. weird things like the things that I have going yeah. on. They just, mm-hmm. on a, uh, 
they genuinely did not know what was going on. And so they weren't helping me, but I don't blame them for that because they're not trained in that sort of thing. That's right. That brings up a really good point that, that they weren't trained. Um, I just heard someone recently say that um, he had a really hard time growing up with his father, had almost no, anytime he would bring, uh, bring an accolade or an award home to his father, his father would say, well, that's really good, but be sure and keep your head down or be sure and do this or, or make sure you do this or what. And it was constant criticism. And he now says, my father wasn't equipped. He was not equipped to give me what I needed in that time. And I know like there's a lot of blame that goes onto our past, whether it be a diagnosis or a doctor or a family or a father, or a child or a friend, not everyone is equipped to meet us where we are at that time in our lives. Um, and I think that's important to recognize so that we cannot always blame the other, but take that personal advocacy and responsibility to heart because it's really not anybody else's job to make us happy or make us successful or make us feel validated or anything else. It comes from within like you've found. Absolutely. I have completely changed the way that I think. I no longer blame people for what's happening in my life because I have to take some responsibility for that. Mm -hmm. Literally every morning when I wake up, before I even open my eyes, I'm saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. That is the first thing that happens in my brain before I wake up. Thank you, thank you, thank you for my bed. Thank you for a good night's sleep. And I just continue that thank you, thank you. Living in a state of gratitude will change your life. Change your life. And now when I hear, I I am a disabled person. I have a disability. I am funded. I receive disability income, which is not very much, by the way. (laughs) So my little business helps support that, helps supplement that for sure. But I'm sorry, I forgot what I was going to (laughs) say. That's all right. (laughs) Because my brain went in a different direction that wasn't what we were talking about. But it's about emotions. Yeah. So I can Mm. go on talking about emotions if you would like. Sure. Talk about emotions. (laughs) I was sharing earlier that your story in stages that I created shares 100 different emotions that we don't know how to identify. And so we start with that. But what I've also learned is that emotions can get blocked in our systems. We have emotions for a reason. They are there to show us something. They're there to tell us either something's going wrong, something's going right. But those negative emotions that we experience, they can actually get stuck in our systems and block Mm -hmm. the frequency of the other emotions that we do want to experience. And so I also offer help to help help people unblock those emotions because Mm -hmm. you are not feeling what you could be feeling or what you want to be feeling if that pathway is blocked in your system. Mm-hmm. And so that's another area that it's kind of different layers after we finish the hundred day emotion uh, process, then we can go into working through those blocked emotions, releasing them. And then I have also a emotion frequency chart that I have created I would love to give it to free for your listeners. It's on my website under it's uh, getamyshelp.com slash free. You can get that there, but it basically it's the hundred emotions that I share in my program. Mm-hmm. And I have put them in a chart by their frequency, by their vibrational, by their, their frequency. 
mm-hmm. because the the lower emotions like step stage one those lower emotions pull us down they make us see negatively they make us mm-hmm. feel negatively but if we can work our way up through the stages of emotion to get further up then we're seeing life from a whole different perspective we have a whole mm-hmm. new set of eyes and so mm-hmm. what i help them do is figure out how to go from stage 1 those low emotions that are bringing us down stepping up to early, to more higher stages so that we can experience the emotions and the life that we really want. Mm, I love that. I love that you talked about perspective, getting perspective on that. Um, all of my favorite people are seriously screwed up or have <laughs> seriously screwed up at some point in their past. And, um, as my personal um, development coach that I was working with last year would put it, you suffered enough. When you finally suffered enough in your life, or at least been able to witness enough suffering that you get that perspective, that's when you can finally take those step forwards to those higher emotional bandwidth and, and greater understanding of self and others because of that, right? Like, so congratulations on your suffering and congratulations on the beautiful life that you've lived and your leadership that you're showing to others, because there's a lot of choices you could have made when, when, when all of this happened and, and you made some that didn't work and you chose to go a different direction. And that's the message I want all of you listeners out there to hear today is that you have the choice. You have the power. You can move past whatever shit you're going through. I promise. Cause Amy and Amy, I've been through some crap. Okay. We get <laughs> we it. Sure we have, understand. Yes. You're not alone. I promise you. I, I mean, I can't even think of, I thought of a funny joke that, um, maybe not very many people have thought of, but that probably wouldn't go very, very well, unless you make some very strange, um, decision, you probably have, are, are not alone in whatever you're going through. You're probably not alone. So take what Amy has said, go over to get Amy's help.com. Is that right? Get Amy's help.com. Check out her free emotion resources. Um, if you need skincare that will make you not look 50 anymore, she's your girl. If you want to learn how to write your story, she's your girl. Um, and if you need to learn how to get over yourself so that you can give yourself to others, the way Amy's doing in her queendom leadership, (laughs) go to getamyshelp.com right now and connect with her on the socials. Thank you, Amy, for being my guest and for being a queen that leads. Thank you so much, Amy. I have enjoyed this so much. I appreciate you. Mm